There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host. Chris Macy, and I'm joined in studio by uh, our elder here at the North Valley Church of Christ, Alex Bigham. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for being here and being part of this. We're going to look at an interesting topic uh, this afternoon. I, I know it's on everybody's mind. It's been been going along, uh, around the country for a while, and that is civil disobedience. And uh, I'm talking about that in light of the incident in Ferguson and uh, uh, the incident in New York, uh, the 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 black man who was uh, uh, killed uh, by a police officer, and also the incident in New York where two police officers were assassinated in their vehicle, shot dead by a perpetrator because of what happened earlier. And so before we really get into uh, uh, the news on that and those different things, I I think it would be good for us to define what civil disobedience is. I want want to give this one over to Alex and uh, give us an idea of what is civil disobedience. Well, you know, I was going to say, Chris, that before we define civil disobedience, to what? To the civil authority. I think we need to dis- we need to define what is the civil authority and why why do we submit to mm. some kind of a civil authority before we can talk about disobedience? Who are we being disobedient to? Hey, that's a good that's a good point. All right, sorry, yeah, okay, let's do that. Um, so, who who is the the authority uh, here? We're talking about the United States government and, and the laws we have there and uh, or we have here and, and put in place that need to be enforced. And when those uh, laws seem to be broken by police officers or politicians uh, in our minds, if we think that they have uh, overstepped the line uh, of the law, uh, what should be our response? Right. How should we react to that? Right. So let's, let's look at it from that point of view and understanding and defining civil disobedience. Right, right. And, and let me just interject. You know, I've, and, and let me just read this line from the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we feel that we are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. So there it is. We have the idea that men are endowed with these certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that those are first and foremost, and that individually sometimes we have a difficult time securing those unalienable rights. But if we band together as a community, we have a better chance of defending those unalienable rights. That's the whole idea of developing a government or a civil authority is that we're going to do collectively what we can't do individually. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. And, yeah. And, and, and going on that, uh, so we, we put together a government. We, we all come together. We agree upon certain laws. And uh, the Apostle Paul comments on this very thing. When you have a government which is ordained by God, he says in Romans 13, every person is to be in subject subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Whether that governing authority is evil or not, uh, uh, he, God may not approve with their actions, but he has ordained government. And so when we have them, we are subject to that, to that governing. So the question is, how far 
uh, is that subjection? Is there is there a line right. that can be crossed? Is it unqualified? You could say. Is can it? there be civil disobedience? So what is civil disobedience, and is it proper? So what is civil disobedience? Well, let's uh, first say that it's not what we saw happening in New York City right. when when the uh, that fella shot those two officers and killed them in their car, assassinated them. That was not civil disobedience. Let's call it what it was. That was murder. That was murder, right. He committed murder. He broke the law, and he deserves to be punished. He took his own life, and so punishment was exacted in that way. But with these things in mind, I want us to look back at uh, that Romans 13 passage. I didn't read the whole thing, but it it goes from Romans uh, 13, chapter chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. But Paul is writing at the time of, uh, uh, of the Roman government, and uh, uh, Nero was the was the emperor. Now Nero was not a good emperor. In fact, he had uh, uh, I think it was I don't know if it was accidentally or on purpose burned down quite a bit of the city of Rome. Right. Everybody knew it. They began to rise up against him in a civil disobedience. Realizing his precarious position, he, he thought, well, I'm, I'm going to pin this on somebody else, somebody that no one likes. I want to say it was the Christians who did it. And in those days, when he said Christians, everyone thought that was just a part of the Jews, so they lumped them all together in one. And they began to persecute Christians because they thought, well, the Christians burned down half Rome. Let's persecute them. Right. And uh, <clears throat> with the things that happened to Paul and other Christians are being uh, persecuted under Rome, Paul penned Romans 13 about being subject to the governing authority, even if it's against you. Right, so he was in very difficult circumstances yeah. where he and the other Christians were being persecuted. They were being uh, lit up like torches in the Garden of Nero. Terrible things were happening to the Christians, and he wrote this text in, in that context. So let's think about it in that context of how bad things were, the conditions of things for those Christians, yet he is imploring obedience to the government. But to what extent? And we'll get to that. And uh, even Peter, First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 17, submitting uh, for the Lord's sake to every uh, human institution. We are to submit to those authorities, whether it is a king or governors uh, uh, sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right, uh, so on and so forth. But both Paul and Peter's teachings have led to quite a few questions, I think, from Christians where civil disobedience is concerned. Do Paul and Peter mean that Christians are always to submit to whatever the government commands, no matter what is asked of them? Is that what they're saying? Right. So I want us at this point, unless you got a little more introduction you'd like to, to discuss, I want us to look at some examples throughout the Old Testament on this, this very idea of civil disobedience. How are we to always obey the governments no matter what? And if not, what's the line and what is the standard that we use to follow for that line? So let's, <clears throat> let's begin there. And I want to take us back to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Now, I know we're talking about what Peter and Paul said in the New Testament. That's under a new law there. And we're going to get to New Testament examples. But let's begin here in the Old Testament. It's there for our example. And in Exodus chapter 1, the Egyptian pharaoh uh, gave clear command to two Hebrew midwives that they were to kill all male Jewish babies. He wanted them all dead. Um, Now, an extreme patriot of the Egyptian uh, government would have carried out the government's order. 
Yet the Bible says the midwives disobeyed Pharaoh and feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the the, uh, the babies, the boys, live. Uh, the Bible goes on to say that the midwives lied to Pharaoh about why they were letting the children live. Yet even though they lied and disobeyed their government, God was good to these these women, and the people multiplied and became mighty. So I think that's one example. He's got Here's a group that said, you know, Killing these children, that's against God's law. Uh, you're, that's in clear violation of what God says, so you're, you're in a conundrum. What do you do? Uh, you have uh, government authorities that God says you're to submit to, but the government authority is contradicting what God says. So when you're in that situation, what do you do? Right, right. God comes first. That's right. And that's what they did. And I think that if you look back at the the context of that scripture where it talks about the midwives, it said that they did that, they disobeyed by faith to God. And so even they understood being Egyptians and not even having, uh, you know, God as their, uh, you know, they, they were um, uh, polydeists. They, they believed in many different gods, but they understood that there was wrong in what they were doing and that they owed uh, a higher standard of uh, subjection unto God than to their Pharaoh. Hmm. Now, I was thinking about a different uh, context. I was thinking about Rahab. Remember the story about Rahab? Remember when uh, she was living in the uh, city of Jericho and two spies were sent out to spy out the, the city of Jericho? Over there in Joshua chapter 2. Right, and it's and this this is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31, that's the, the faith chapter. And here's what it says in Hebrews. It says, By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And so here we see that Rahab was allowed to live and she was allowed to thrive. She actually married in to uh, some of the, uh, one of the princes of one of the tribes of Israel following this. You'll find if you study it out. So she actually lived a life that actually thrived following this as a result of her uh, understanding what her duty was. Not only thrive, but part of the part of the uh, the lineage of, of the Christ. That's right. It was through her that we see the lineage of Christ come. That's exactly right. So how important is that? What a great example, huh? Oh, and and, and look at uh, her civil disobedience. It's to to Jericho, her her uh, her own governing authority. They're getting ready to be overthrown. Right. They're going to be taken out by right. an opposing army, and she supported uh, uh, the the Israelites. The enemy, right? Why? Right. What? Well, let's look at her options here. So she's got one side, Jericho, who refuses. You know, they they see this coming army. They haven't done anything to the Israelites. The only thing they've done is not let them in. <laughs> and so she hears about these spies. But why does she? She so seems seems in the scripture like so easily give over mm-hmm. to this enemy. Why? Yeah. Well, they they had she had mentioned how fearful everybody in the city was because they had heard of the mighty acts that God had done on behalf of the Israelites. She knew that their God was Jehovah, that He was the true and only living God, and she felt obligated to submit to Him, not to her ruling authority. Uh, exactly, and that and that's something I want our listeners to to recognize. In all these passages, in these incidences that we're pointing out, even though you, you have two things here, you got God telling us that we need to submit to the governing authority, and he also telling us we need to submit to his, uh, his authority, when these two become, come into contradiction, the question becomes, what's your number one priority? Uh, looking here in our country, uh, are you an American first or are you a Christian first? 
are you an American Christian or a Christian American? I right. guess you could say. <laughs> and so uh, that, that's the question that I'm looking at with each one of these incidences. With uh, Rahab, she recognized that this is God they're coming up against. She may not know and fully understand who God is, but she recognized that his authority, no matter what authority is there in Jericho, his authority supersedes all other authority. And when the authority of the, the, the men and women in her area comes in clear contradiction with his, what side are you going to take? Mm-hmm. Man, she took the right side, and she went with God. And that's what we need to do. We need to recognize these situations in our own lives, no matter what, how small, no matter how big they are. Whose side are we on? Are we going to be on man's side or on God's side? Let, and, me, let me ask you a question, Chris. Do you think that it's possible um, in every situation where we are faced with this decision in our lives today that we can go to the text and identify an example that should lead us to the answer, okay, I should disobey my government now, or I should not, or I should submit, or I should disobey. Do you think that there is? we should be able to find an example in the Bible of every single situation that we're going oh. to be faced with in this life? Because I believe that we're going to be faced with this decision very frequently in the years to come, more and more as Christians particularly. Uh, we, we may not find uh, specific examples of everything we may come in con- uh, uh, contact with, but that, that's why I brought up the priority thing. If we, if we truly have God as our number one priority, that means we are going to study his word. That's We're right. going to put more time and effort into that than in anything else. And the more we know the word of God, we'll, the more we'll know and understand the mind and heart of God. Right. If you have that, then you know what kind of decisions God would want you to make here on this earth, you won't, you won't have your spirit or the world's spirit anymore, but you'll have the spirit of Christ, and you'll be able to respond better to situations in this life because you're living your life by a standard found in the Word rather than the standard found in the world. Right. I think you're right. I, I, I don't think we're going to find the specific answers, but I think we need to have a, a general understanding of what God is wanting for our government, how we are to be in subjection to it, what the positives are, and what the limitations are. Do we... There isn't, I don't believe, an unqualified obligation on our parts for civil obedience. There does come a point in time where we have to draw the line and say, I am not obeying that. And so let's, let's move on. Yeah. I, I do want to make one comment because we we're talking a lot, uh, a lot of negative things toward government. But uh, let, let's be clear. Government does a lot of good things. That's right. There are, all, there are only very few times I've seen even in our history, there, even though this seems like a lot, when you really compare it to all the good our government does, there's not that many bad it does. But there are bad, and that's what we're talking about. And the reason why we're doing this show is because these bad things, even though there are a few, man, they're just they're big, and they're coming to the forefront quickly. And so now we have to ask ourselves, do we need to rise up against our government or – what kind of civil disobedience uh, should we be doing? And that's what we're trying to ascertain from from the scriptures. Uh, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, I, I got another one here in the Old Testament, First Kings chapter eighteen. Uh, this is another example of civil disobedience in, in keeping with biblical submission. Uh, and in that chapter, it briefly introduces a, a man named Obadiah who feared the Lord greatly. And at that time, Queen Jezebel she. Uh, she was an evil man. She was out killing all of God's prophets. She, she had made a decree. She wanted them all dead. Any prophet of God, and put them to death. Obvious, clear opposition to God. Right. Obadiah was a, 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 in a situation, what do I do? Do I put uh, 
the, the uh, government first or do I put God first? Well, he hid the prophets of God in clear violation of the government. Right. But because he had a choice to make there. And so he had this act that was in clear defiance of the ruling authority wishes, and yet he was doing it because of the love he had for God. Uh, let, let's go ahead and go on to the, the next one you have. Okay. I have a, remember John the Baptist. I like to call him John the Immerser. John the Immerser. Well, I like to call him John the Baptizer. <laughs> John the Baptizer. That's, that's good. So how did John the Baptist lose his head? Oh, man, he spoke up against the king. That's right. That's right. Like he, had, he had preached against King Herod, who had his brother's wife. And he had spoken out against that, and in response to that, basically lost his head. I mean, we know physically how he lost his head, yeah. but the reason behind it was that he had spoken against the king. You know, you know there's, there's a lot of things we can talk about with this, and I want us to hit on all of them. Uh, number one, uh, you said the king you know, had chopped his head, had, had uh, uh, John's uh, head taken off. But the, when you look at that, it was because the, uh, his, what was it, his daughter-in-law, his niece, had asked for that because his uh, 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 wife had told her to ask, ask for mm-hmm. John's uh, head on the plate. And he was grieved. He didn't want to do it. He had uh, John arrested because of the things he was saying. But he liked the man, didn't want to uh, chop his head off. And here his uh, niece said, I want this. And so he was stuck with the choice. Do I give in to the will of man or woman in this case, or do I do what I know is a clear prophet of God right. and not kill him? Right. So and he, had he violated his own conscience, That's didn't right. he? Violated his own conscience, violated God. Right. And that's a good word. I'm glad we brought up that word conscience because as we get into Romans, that's going to be one of the key words I think that we need to consider. That's right. And the second thing I want us to take uh, from this passage with John the baptizer or John the immerser is that uh, a couple of weeks or about a couple about a month ago, you and I did a, a episode on uh, what was going on in Houston where the city government uh, ordered all the sermons of the, the preachers who were preaching out against homosexuality and right. against the mayor there in Houston. To be turned Houston. over. Right, to turn it over. And uh, everybody was against it. Oh, we're not going to do it. And uh, at first, I had said on the front, you know, at first I was kind of for not giving in, but then I realized, you know, no, I, I would. I would give in to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be good for them to have it, but also because we need to accept the punishment for whatever uh, we decide to stand up against. Was it against the law for her to ask for those things? Well, actually, yes, it was. Right. But I was still uh, giving it to her uh, because I think it would have been good for them to read it. Right, but right. anyway, that, that's just an, another example, and I'm getting us close to that, that time. Let's, uh, <clears throat> let, let's go ahead and move this forward uh, as we're winding down on our time. We only have about ten minutes or eight, nine minutes left. But uh, uh, you, you brought up before the, we started recording, you were talking about all, all the apostles – of our Lord and Savior Jesus, what happened to them? Right. Uh, talk, talk about that a little well, bit. Well, we know that all of them met their death, and most of them violently, and it was because they were speaking against the establishment. They were speaking God's will and not the established will of the government. And so they had all, in one fashion or another, except for possibly John, who was the youngest of, of them, they all met their met their demise in a violent fashion as a result of their res- resistance to uh, government authority. Yeah, like like uh, Paul. I mean, there was twice he was arrested by the Roman government, and we know in Philippians during his first uh, imprisonment, he said, "You know, if I die, it's it's gain for me, but to live is gain for you." And but he knew he was going to make it through this. But he was willing to accept his punishment. Then he was later arrested a second time and finally put to death. Why? Because he was preaching the word of God. Right. And uh, but you know, 
He, there was a lot of things he could have done to get out of these things, but he allowed it to happen no matter what. <clears throat> he could have bought his way out when he was with uh, 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 in Caesarea before Festus and Agrippa and those others. They were wanting him to give some That's payment right, right. to get him, and he could have done that, mm-hmm. but he was willing to accept the punishment. Even though it was wrong, mm-hmm. hey, he's just going to do what he has to to be that shining light uh, to the world for the kingdom of Christ. So let's let's look at the New Testament. Since we're in the apostles, let's look at the book of Acts and a couple of examples we have there of uh, a civil disobedience. And there are they are there. Acts chapter 4. Let me turn my Bible over there. <coughs> Excuse my coughing. I'm still getting over the the flu, I think. I got it just like most of the people. We need to make sure we keep focusing our prayers. This is a pretty bad out there. Over in Acts chapter 4, Verses uh, 19 and 20. Let me read those that passage for. Well, what, what happened here? Peter and John were arrested because they were they were preaching and uh, uh, the, the word of Christ and in healing uh, uh, the lame man there at the beautiful gate. And so they were being threatened here. And in verses uh, 19, it said, "But Peter and John answered after they were threatened not to uh, speak or teach all in the name of Jesus." But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Stop there. What are they? He's bringing up that same thing we were talking about in the Old Testament passages that you got a clear choice of man's will or God's will. Look, you guys, you be, you're threatening us. Be the judge here. What do you think is better, to heed the will of man or the will of God? Right. Now, obviously, they know heed the will of God. And they should see it. It's clear that they are doing the will of God. Uh, uh, John and Peter, verse 21, When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened, because a man had been healed miraculously. Right. Isn't it interesting that they were imploring, they were imploring, Peter and John were, the ruling authority to make the decision whether... Should they really obey their commandments, or should they heed God's commands? That's right. And so they were employing the ruling authority. So what does that say if you're governed by a ruling authority that has no regard for what God's will is for us? It, it makes it difficult, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and also, I think Peter and John were trying to get it in their minds, the ruling authorities, where does your authority come from? Right. Right. You, so, it, you didn't create it. Right. God did. <laughs> so, so there's two fronts. There is a ruling authority who needs to consider what God's will, but there's also those in subjugation to the ruling authority. Us, the citizens here in our case of the United States, we need to determine whether we are going to be subject to the ruling authority or to God's will, which is going to be more important. We're going to have to weigh that at some point. Exactly. And then later on, Acts chapter 5, uh, the rulers confronted the apostles again and reminded them of their command to not teach about Jesus. But Peter said in verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. Here's that choice again. You're going to uh, obey man or you're going to obey God. It's whatever your priority is. Civil uh, civil disobedience, I think, uh, is something that we can, as Christians, we can do. And I want to give you uh, my concluding thoughts here. Uh, I got Four thoughts I want to leave. Wait a minute. We're already to the conclusion yes. of this? Yes. Yeah, we only got a few <laughs> minutes left. We didn't even make it into <clears throat> Romans. We might need to do another show on this. <laughs> well, let me give you the concluding thoughts, and then I'll, I'll give you the last word. Okay. How about that? All right. All right. Here's our con- my concluding thoughts. Some guidelines for a uh, Christian civil disobedience can be summed up in this way. Christians should 
resist a government that commands or compels evil and should work nonviolently within the laws of the land to change a government that permits evil. That's number one. Number two, civil disobedience is permitted when the government's laws or commands are in direct violation of God's laws and commands. That is, if uh, if someone goes around and says, I want all preachers of God's word killed, and you got an opportunity to hide them, do it. That doesn't mean you should go grab your rifle and shoot the uh, authorities as they come down the street. No, not say that. That's not civil disobedience. That's murder. <laughs> so, number three. If a Christian disobeys an evil government, unless he can flee from the government, he should accept that government's punishment punishment for his actions. So if a Christian disobeys an evil government, unless he can flee the government, he should accept that government's punishment for his actions. And then fourth, Christians are certainly permitted to work to install new government leaders within the laws that have been established. But it's got to be with, within the laws established because God permitted these things. And, and you know there's other examples in the New Testament where people thought they were doing the right thing, but it was wrong. For example, when Peter was, uh, or when Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and remember what Peter did, drew out his sword, cut off the ear of that servant, and what did Jesus say? Right, he said, he said put your sword back Peter, in its sheath. put away your sword. I am not here to, uh, uh, to spread blood, but anyway, but yeah, yeah, I don't know the patch off the top of my head, but... Christians are also commanded to pray for their leaders and for God to intervene in his time to change an ungodly path that they're pursuing. That makes me think of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Uh, uh, by prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving, let all be made on behalf of all men and for kings and uh, those who are in authority. So I'm going to give you the last word. you got one minute. <laughs> Actually, you got 30 seconds. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about how is it that we should respond? And I'm thinking about James chapter uh, chapter 4, and I'm thinking about verses, uh, where am I at? You put me on too much on the spot here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking basically of what James says. He says, you know what, we're not going to change the hearts of men through politics. It's going to have to be uh, through the gospel message. They're going to have to read and understand what God's will for them is. That's the way we're going to change people. It's not yeah. going to be through any po- political act that we're going right. to do. It is the power of God to salvation. Absolutely. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Beautiful words, good thoughts. Thank you, Alex, for being here. Uh, thank you to all our listeners who are out there. I hope this is a bit enlightening to you, and I hope it, it, it stirs some thoughts. Uh, thank you for being with us, and as always, you can catch this show on our website, www.nvcoc.net. You can grab it there. Thank you again for being with us, and thank you always to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us this opportunity and time. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out.